people just helped us create incredible memories. So within that short time frame of Devin's fight, we created more memories than most people do in, in a lifetime together. And um, from taking limo, a limo to the Celtics game, to our Make-A-Wish trip, to fundraisers that we got to, get, got to see so many people that we loved together and just had fun while people were raising money for our family to help fight this. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. Today, I'll be chatting with Christine Suter-Swau. Uh, she's a mom of four boys, her youngest being Devin, who is the topic of our conversation today. Um, Devin was uh, diagnosed with a rare brain cancer, which I won't even attempt to pronounce. Uh, I'll have Christine share that story. And um, also, we'll be talking about his short life after that diagnosis as well, but everything else that's come from that. And I'm just so honored that um, our common friend, Lisa, connected us, Christine, so that we'd be able to chat here today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so honored and grateful to be able to chat with you and be able to share Devin's story. You know, what, in, yeah, what intrigues me the most is even just that when I started seeing posts on um, Facebook and stuff when Devin um, was sick first and then afterwards during his passing because, again, I have a lot of friends that live near where you live and I mm-hmm. used to live in your town in Framingham, Massachusetts. Is that where you live too? That's where you live right now still? Okay. So um, it was just the the way that it, that first off, the name of the foundation, Why Not Devin? Just that in itself spoke like so much about just who you are and who your family is because most people say the why me, why, you know, and so just that. So um, just, yeah, I'm just excited to have this conversation and even just um, dive into getting to know you and getting to know Devin more as well in this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Um, why not Devin? Uh, I don't know if you want me to kind of yes. start from when he was Go diagnosed. Um, yes. It'll kind of feed into that pretty quickly, but um, yeah, I had four boys in five and a half years and life was crazy and fun and they were super active and we did everything together. Um, and so one Friday night we were skiing and snowboarding and Devin was a snowboarder and, um, we thought he fell and his instructor brought him in and I thought, we thought he got a concussion. Um, in a few days later, we saw our pediatrician. She thought he had a mild concussion, said he could go back to school and then he began throwing up. So, by that Tuesday night, we found ourselves in an ambulance to Children's Hospital. Um, 
and were told that Devin had what's called diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, um, often referred to as DIPG, which is a rare, uncurable, not survivable cancer in the brain stem. Um, and the only form of treatment is radiation. Everything else is really a trial and up to the parents to kind of figure out. Um, so when you go from having this seemingly, you know, perfect's not really a word, but Healthy. this, yeah, like this just fun, you know, active life with these four boys who are so full of life and love and laughter. And, and then you're told your child has eight months to two years to live. You're like, no, that, that's not going to happen. And so, um, I, met this, the radiologist came in. It was like, just, we were living in this like dark 24 hours and this rate head of radiology at Brigham women's hospital, where ironically I had all of my children came in, um, to see us. And she was this little tiny, brilliant radiologist. And I remember she's kind of going over with us, what was about, you know, to happen with radiation. And, and I just looked at her and I said, is there any speck of hope that you can give me because all of these neurosurgeons, neuro-oncologists had just completely crushed us. And she looked at me square in the eyes and just said, yes. And it was literally all I needed. And so I was like, from that moment on, I was like, this, this kid's got this. And so, you know, I, I've always been a believer and everything happens for a reason. Um, but when we were kind of in the initial stages of this, I thought, okay, everything wasn't curable until it was. And so why can't Devin be the first to beat DIPG? And so that's how Why Not Devin was born. And um, we started a Facebook group just to let our family and friends know. um, And that's where Why Not Devin on Facebook came from because everything was so fast and furious and we're very, our family's very fortunate to have so many friends and we, my ex-husband and I both come from pretty large families. So it was a way to let everyone know what was going on and what was happening. And it quickly grew to like 25,000 people within days. It was pretty intense Wow! and like complete flip of life. And and so then you know, right away, you have all this support because you create the, you create this, Hashtag and that was a Facebook group, yes, that you created the white. That was so you you feel you see the support uh, from friends, and then you had a lot of support just from community organizations also as well, correct? Like there were yeah. different. So share a little bit about all the different things that the community did um, oh my gosh. to support you during that during that time. So it was incredible. I mean, you know when you have kids, they get involved in different sports. And so you get to know people in those different circles and then the school that they're in. Um, at that point I had, um, Owen, Brendan and Devin were in the same elementary school and Colin had just gone to a middle school, but they all played lacrosse and soccer, but immediately it was all of these different groups really embraced our family. And they, there was a whole campaign online with the hashtag, why not Devin and people and sports groups and all, you know, all sorts of dynamics were just posting online their group with the hashtag, why not Devin police officers, kids, you know, hospitals, sports. And then Kim Kardashian tweeted a picture of Devin and I, 
and just said, pray for this family. And, you know, this little boy has a rare uncurable disease called DIPG. And then that spread like wildfire. It was, um, it was incredible. And I can't describe the amount of love and support. We, someone created a meal train, um, and we have several allergies in our family and people were cooking like the most amazing, it wasn't like your normal, you know, lasagna casserole being dropped up. It was incredible and treats for my kids. And, and then people also, um, and I don't know whether they had the intent to do this or, you know, again, everything happens for a reason, but people just helped us create incredible memories. So within that short time frame of Devin's fight, we created more memories than most people do in, in a lifetime together. And um, from taking limo, a limo to the Celtics game, to our Make-A-Wish trip, to fundraisers that we got to, get, got to see so many people that we loved together and just had fun while people were raising money for our family to help fight this That's horrible so- disease. That is so amazing. That now I'm curious, what was the Make a Wish? What wish did Devin ask for when you went to the Make a Wish? So, um, we were we all kind of talked about it, our entire family, and you know, Disney was definitely one that was thrown around. But we also, you know, wanted to make sure Devin was going to be able to enjoy whatever it was we were doing. So um, we went right after he finished radiation, which they call like the honeymoon period, honeymoon phase or whatever. We went to Turks and Caicos. So we went to the beaches there and my kids, it was, it was, um, Devin was feeling great. So we got to do a lot of different things there, but we kind of wanted it to be, you know, I mean, it was his make a wish, but at the same time, his three brothers were going through this horrific nightmare. And so it was kind of all of their make a wish. Um, and so Turks and Kika was perfect because if Devin wasn't feeling well, he and I could hang back while the others went and did something, but he, he was incredible there. And it was, um, it was unbelievable. That's, that's so amazing. And what you said was so, um, important to know that it's not just the person that's being diagnosed that's going through this it's the whole family and in this case with your three other boys um the fact that you guys were also able to honor that and you know also give them what they needed in this process that's super important too yeah I think that was super important to me from the beginning um because I've I haven't known a lot of people who have had a child with pediatric cancer but I think your initial and and immediate reaction is you have to take care of the child that's sick and the others are okay. So they don't need, you know, and I don't know if, if my feeling was different because we were faced with a terminal. Um, but, but even prior to that, my kids, like I took all four of them to the grocery store. I took all four of them to different practices. Like they were all together anyway. So it was kind of a normal thing for me, but I've seen happen a few times is, you know, unfortunately with this terminal diagnosis, the, the child passes away and then the other siblings are left and they're, you know, it's kind of a really weird space for them. And so for me, it was just really important to have us all together all the time. What, what you're mentioning happens in those situations, and then it can also happen even afterwards, too, in other situations that are not illness-related, too, um, when so much of the grief of the parents is, you know, 
consumed in the grief of the child that's died create a little bit of, um, of I don't know. I don't want to say the word resentment, but it can in some yeah. cases because you're kind of like, oh, but I'm still here, you know, right. too, you know. Yeah. I miss her too, but I'm also still here, you know. I listened to a podcast that was so impactful for me probably – maybe two months after Deb, two or three months after Devin died. And, um, it was, it was on Oprah. Um, she's one of my favorite oh, podcasts, but me too. She, yeah, she was, Super she was me. Yes. It's the best thing ever. So she had, um, someone on there who was meeting with the family and the family had a three-year-old and then twin boys. And one of the twin boys had died and this mom could not recover. And, what this gentleman said, and I cannot remember who it was, um, said to her, if you always are comparing every milestone that the surviving brother or other sibling has, they will never feel good enough. They will never feel like they compare. They will, and they, and they can't, there's no way to compete with someone who has passed away. And so that hit me hard and stuck with me. And, you know, I've always been a very hopeful person and grateful for what I have. But I think in that moment, it was exactly when I needed to hear it because it was just fresh in the grief process before, you know, and, and so that's really stuck with me. So every milestone my child has every, even if there is, there's always going to be a little bit of bittersweetness in my heart, but we fully celebrate each thing. I fully celebrate that each child's going through and on their own journey. Mm-hmm. but you yes thank you for acknowledging that the you know there's something you said right at the beginning that I wanted to ask you about and it was when that doctor looked at looked you in the eye and said yes that there was that hope and you held on to that how was it for you holding on to that glimpse of hope that you had how did that shift everything that you did oh. um holding on to hope yeah, that was um, honestly it, one of my favorite sayings is hope is the only thing stronger than fear. It's true. I mean, if you try to live every single, you know, day with that or every situation, that one little glimmer of hope was literally all I needed. When those doctors said those horrible words to us, I don't actually remember my memory. In my memory, I feel like I was on the ground. I don't think I actually was, but in my head, that's what I remember. And then when this this little brilliant shimmer walked in and gave me that, it was literally all I needed. I was like, okay, if you can give me the littlest speck of hope, we have something here. And it gave me, I really think that was such a pivotal moment for me that it gave me that glimmer of hope to really fight mm-hmm. and not, and to do everything in our power and to go to the ends of the earth to try to save my child. And I think that that's a lot of why personally I'm okay. I'm good now because I know that I did everything in my power, you know, and to save him and also to live every day that we had to the the absolute fullest. And how many days then was that? How many days after the diagnosis? So, um, I don't believe in coincidence at all. Um, Devin was sick from day of diagnosis till the day he passed away, eight months and three weeks, which was the exact time that I carried him. 
So that was so, so you ironic. You, didn't, you gave birth to him less than nine months, but yep. exactly. Like literally to the day. Wow. And um, Devin was born on my mom's five-year anniversary. So my mom passed away when I was 30. She was, um, she was just 56. She was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 42. And so she really showed me the impact and the, the possibility of positive thinking and being because she refused to let that diagnose define her. And, you know, she fought till the very end and, you know, and then Devin was born on her five-year anniversary and ironically or not ironically passed away one week before that. So his birthday was October 20, um, 27th and he passed away October 20th. Um, so, and I, again, I'm a huge believer in everything happens for a reason and everything is meant to be. And, um, I, I really, I believe that my whole life. And when my mom passed away, I struggled with it and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't find the reason. And first of all, now I know that you don't always see the reason you don't always understand it, but there is a reason. But the day that Devin died, it put everything into perspective because I thought, okay, the only comfort I can take right now is knowing that my mom, the most nurturing, loving, kind, embracing woman on the planet was there to meet my child. You had somebody to take, take care, take care of him. Yeah. The, the aspect that you, everything you're saying about that you don't believe in coincidences. That's my, that's my belief as well. The fact that he had that accident snowboarding, you know, if not, you guys would have probably not known why he was, you know, from there on, if he had started to get sick after the ski trip, you guys would have not even known right. where to even start, you mm -hmm. know, a, a, a search. You probably would have not known. It would have even caught you even more by surprise he had not exhibited any um symptoms at all before that at least that you were aware of yeah no not at all I mean he was the youngest of four so he was the most outgoing goofy athletic I mean he was my kids are all athletic he was by far the most athletic and he was six years old I mean he had been playing lacrosse and soccer since he could walk with his older brothers and so in hindsight now when I look back you know you have those live pictures mm -hmm. a couple weeks before maybe like if I look at a lot he like stumbled in a picture a little bit but nothing that I would have thought huh something looks off like because mm. he just was like always moving and goofy and and so n n there was not not a thing at all and you know I'm actually hugely grateful too because grateful that that happened because you're exactly right. It gave us time that he was not extremely sick, um, that we could do things and make memories. And whereas if it had taken a lot longer, we would have had a shorter window mm -hmm. and, um, and probably wouldn't have found out until he was more sick and maybe wouldn't have been able to do radiation or, you know, but we also found out on a Friday night and I didn't take him to the doctors on Monday and we just went with the assumption that he had a concussion. So we went to like one, one other child's game, but otherwise like we just kind of laid low and had the weekend just to kind of snuggle and watch movies and kind of all be together before that diagnosis on that Tuesday night. So, 
Wow. Yeah, no, that is just so much that can change in just the blink of an eye, right? It just gives you a different perspective of even just how you live your life. And so how has that shifted who Christine is now, how you live your life now? And also um, you have, a, you had, of course, had gone through the loss of your mom. Uh, you had experienced grief in one way. Then five years later, well, no, five years later, that's when uh, Devin was born. So 11 years after your mom's passing is when yeah. uh, Devin passed. Um, how do you think that having experienced grief of your mom also prepared you in some way to then now one of the hardest yeah. experiences? It's crazy because you go through kind of a cycle, I think, of like when I lost my mom, she was my person. I talked to her every day. I was devastated. And and then when I lost my child, he would he I always sent was sent from my mom. He would he was attached to me. He was he was also the baby. So he he and I had a very different bond. And he was always asleep in my arms because we were always on the go. So napping was in my arms. It was um, but losing your child is, um, unexplainable. It's, um, you know, I mean, you, you, as a mom, especially too, I think you, you know, you give birth to this little person and the, the intent is to watch them grow and watch them, you know, live and thrive and grow up and, um, and then you kind of go through, so then you're, you're kind of, I think in a place where you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing that can compare to losing a child, but then, you know, everyone's loss is different and everyone goes through different things. So, you know, I hope that most people on this planet don't have to lose a child. So whatever their loss is, is the hardest for them. For me, it was my child, but for someone else, maybe they're fortunate enough that their dog is their biggest loss, but to them, that is, that's a huge loss. So, mm -hmm. you know, people will come up to me and say, you know, uh, I feel like I can't, I can't say anything to you because you lost your child. And I'm like, no, no, it's all relative. It's so all it's um, still pain. It's still pain. Yeah. Pain is and it's pain. the closest thing to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think you can ever really prepare. I just think things are put into perspective and, and I think you, you realize that, you know, I, one of the other things I, I try to say is, you know, I, I, I find the silver linings or, you know, there's, there's always, um, beauty in the brokenness. And so even though that was, you know, when I remember on New Year's Eve, when it was turning 2018 and having the feeling that, okay, I should be relieved that this year is ending because it was the worst year ever. And then I stepped back and I was like, you know what? I have the worst heartbreak in 2017. But it was filled with so much love, so many memories, so much support, so much, so many good things. So it kind of superseded the, the horribleness that happened then. And so I think, you know, at the end of every day, there is so much to be grateful for, even if it's those little tiny specks of hope. Yes, yes. And the little moments of joy that you can feel amidst the pain. Now, what kind of things did you do as a family to support the other children's process of grief as well as yours? Have, what have you been doing in that process? 
for grieving? So it's such a tough question. Um, because while Devin was sick, it was such a fast and furious disease. Um, and the main focus was keeping everyone together. So, and we, we had to travel to London for treatments. We were, you know, all over the place. Um, so Devin went into the hospital, um, in September and passed away at the, you know, in October October. during that time, um, we had had a family like life coach come and meet with us a couple of times. And then I had a therapist that an external therapist actually go into the boys school Mm -hmm. to make sure they had someone to talk to. And their schools were actually really great about having, um, their guidance counselor have lunch with them and meet with them and they could bring a friend. And it was, um, Devin passed away and, um, we've had, there has been a couple of people they have talked to, but our fight was so public and my kids talked all the time about it that I think when it came time to have to sit down one-on-one and continue to talk about it, they just were like, we don't, we don't want to. And Mm -hmm. two months after Devin passed away, I was separated. So then my kids went through the divorce of their parents too. Um, and, and you know, that's for a lot of other reasons. Um, but so they, they actually didn't have the conventional therapy and I talked to their pediatricians and everything else. And they were like, you know what? Therapy can come in the form of playing soccer with their teammates or, you know, and we talk about Devin still every day. He's part of He's part of our everyday still. So his spirit's very much alive. And, you know, through Why Not Devin and um, so many people in our community and and even throughout the country, we drive places and we see green light bulbs and we're reminded of Devin. And so I think, you know, could they benefit from, you know, traditional therapy? Sure, probably. But um, it wasn't, it hasn't been something that I've pushed with them because they've been really headstrong about it. They do go to, um, they do go to this amazing camp every summer through, um, Jeff's place. And it's a camp for boys in Maine. It's everything Maine camp should be with 150 boys who have had immediate loss. So there is some counseling there. Um, but it's mostly them feeling, normal, doing normal things in a setting with other kids who get it. And the bonds that you see with these kids is, um, it's pretty incredible. Um, so that's for my kids. Um, for me, I have, you know, why not Devin and to be able to help other families through that process is such a huge healing part of me. And then I also, you know, I blog and I, I speak. And I think that that's, I, I have the mindset always, if I can help one person know that they can overcome by sharing my own story, that's, that's everything. Everything you shared is so important because like you said, it's not, it doesn't have to be one way in terms of what grief tool somebody uses. In your family's story, you had already been grieving since the diagnosis, but you also had all this incredible support and so forth around you. And like you said, the children had a space in which they could talk about their brother openly and those feelings. So uh, that's wonderful. And I love this Jeff's Place camp. What Because you, it's like 
the fact of being already around other people that have had a loss, that if by chance you're not feeling too great, it's like you don't feel like this odd man. People understand around you that, yeah, maybe you're just not having a good you know, they, that, that moment, you know, and you don't have to go into details of explaining. And even if you did explain, they don't look at you like the weird person, which might happen at school when other kids around you don't understand what you're going through because they haven't been through it themselves. So, um, so that's wonderful that they have that. They have this, um, like bonfire a couple nights a week. They're, they're not, they, it's their bond. They're not supposed to like talk about it, but I do know that it gives them an opportunity to share their story and to be emotional if they if that's what happens and they're embraced by all these other boys who get it 100% and not just them feeling which like people are feeling bad for them mm-hmm. it's a place where they share this and so it's so impactful mm-hmm. and for them that's been like the greatest resource i think that's wonderful now tell us more about uh why not devin and the kind of ripple effect that it's had and all the different, uh, yeah, things that it's been able to do, the foundation, the, yeah, tell us, tell us more. So while Devin's fight was going on, as we talked about before, hashtag why not Devin started and, um, it just became like this, and I feel funny saying the word movement, but it really was this. And, you know, DIPG had had such little awareness. Um, actually, when Devin passed away, uh, his whole neuro team said that we had helped um, advance awareness for DIPG 10 years because of the amount of awareness that it created. Um, and there were, you know, so many people that were part of it that, either when Devin was fighting or immediately following, I had people reach out to me who knew of someone or they themselves who had followed the story had a child diagnosed with DIPG. And I had one woman who I knew from a friend who was in this part of this group. She had followed Devin's whole journey, um, which, you know, was all emotions enrolled into one, right? And her daughter was diagnosed just like, a few weeks after Devin had passed away and she reached out to me with this heartfelt, you know, she was obviously blown away that her child, she had watched this journey of this disease she had never heard of. And then her child had it, but she thanked me for sharing it because she wasn't so blindsided when her child was diagnosed. And, um, so now, you know, we were, like I've mentioned, so fortunate to have so much support, so much, you know, kindness, so much, everything when Devin was fighting, you know, I wanted to do something in his honor and to continue his, his memory and be able to make an impact and continue his fight. And there was a couple of organizations that fund research only. Um, there's no funding for DIPG, all research and trials are mostly personally funded and, um, either through families or these organizations that are, are, are run and founded by people who had a child who had DIPG. Um, and I had met them through our journey. And the one thing that was missing was the support for families. And, you know, most people don't live in such an incredible community that just completely embraces them and does all these things. So, um, and, you know, 
insurance covers radiation only, not your trials or travel or anything else. And, you know, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to save Devin's life in eight months and three weeks. So in September, we got um, our 501c3 status, which had been a two-year process of a lot of, you know, sweat and tears. And um, and so now we give a $10,000 grant to a family, a quarter with a child with DIPG. Um, and the hope is that they will use it for travel, treatment, um, logistics, anything they need to keep their family together and for the child with DIPG. But at the end of the day, if the family needs to use it to put food on their table and lights in their home, they can use it at their disposal. So that is so, so that, you know, I'm so surprised that there's not more out there no. to, to help that you guys are one of the really first, you know, aside from some private other, you know, private organizations that I'm very surprised. Yeah. It's, um, it's horrible. You know, uh, Neil Armstrong's daughter died two years from DIPG before he walked on the moon. And still now in 2021, there are still no survivors. So, you know, it's a very, if you, unfortunately, you know, were to look, there's, there's statistics and graphs and whatever. It's literally the worst pediatric cancer there is. Um, and so you would think, but, and it's rare, but there's three to 400 kids a year that are diagnosed with this disease. And so, um, you know, it's a really, and so I host and I, I kind of got this idea from um, the boys camp, but I was like, how can I make an impact on moms who have lost a child to DIPG? So um, the this year, obviously with COVID, it had to be postponed, but um, the two years prior, I hosted a DIPG mom retreat here at my home. And um, last year there was 15 moms. The year before there was 10. I'd only known or met two or three of them. Um, they've come from all over the country. Last year I had a woman from Ireland who basically feels like she's on an island there in the DIPG world because she doesn't know anybody else who had it. Um, and so they come here and it's a weekend of healing. And so um, Friday, this past year, actually, we were lucky enough, I hosted Mitch Album, who wrote a book called Finding Chica, about a little girl he adopted from his orphanage in Haiti who had DIPG. And it's his story. And so he, I hosted him in Boston for this wonderful night, and I got to have all these moms come. And then um, Saturday, I've been lucky enough to meet and um, all these amazing healers, um, Reiki and cards and masseuses and masseuses. Masseuses, I'm not sure how you say that, but um, massage therapist or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they come to my house and they set up in all the rooms in my house and they they give these women, you know, some some positive energy and f some healing and uh, and then we, you know, have have dinner and wine and art therapy and then last last year we all, you know, watched bad moms in our pajamas and had some wine and laughed hysterically. And, you know, it's a way for us to be together. And, you know, we may come from all different places on the earth, but we've all had a child with the same journey. And so to be together is really, you know, impactful. And within that, you know, I saw different people who didn't have the means 
to fight for their child and just kind of, you know, said, okay, this is the course this is supposed to take and let that happen. And, you know, if that's your choice and that's your belief based on your faith or your religion or whatever, then that is your choice and that is okay. But every parent should have the opportunity to fight if they want to for their child. Mm -hmm. So that's really, that is so powerful because you know what that gives to is that parent, that feeling after everything, you know, even if it's a terminal illness, the, um, the fact that they did everything that they could. Yeah. Right. So even if you know that it's terminal doing everything in your power to fight for your child, gives you that feeling afterwards that you did everything you could at least that was your story that was your case right you felt at ease afterwards in your process of grief because you had done everything in your power everything so I had no no regrets because there was I mean that doesn't mean that you don't have that mom guilt because you have that when your kid scrapes their knee right and you 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 have it even when we're pregnant yeah Right. Or even whoever have it when we're pregnant. Oh, I drank coffee if by chance that was like I remember my first pregnancy. I couldn't even like I didn't even drink coffee. Yeah. We, you know, like that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, I drank coffee. Like maybe that created my child to be very uh, energetic <laughs> then or whatever. <laughs> right. So the same. And so yeah, I feel like, you know, you I have no regrets and wishing that I did something different or something else. So that's just beautiful. Now, do you want to talk a little bit about all the other different projects that are in the works? And I think by the time we release this episode, some of the things yeah. would have already come be birthed. Yeah, I've <laughs> been birthed. So, so excited. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I, uh, I've mentioned a few times, like, I believe everything happens for a reason and everything is meant to be. And, um, I have a company called Meant to Be Me, and um, I mentioned before too. I blog on there, and I just kind of I'm a I'm a very raw, unpolished writer, but I write exactly how I feel, and so I just try to you know write different about different topics that you know you you may think about or you and it's just my perspective, and then I, I speak and I speak a lot about hope. And I, I speak about gratitude and so, um, and then I have inspiration, inspirational merchandise on there. Um, so I have t-shirts, um, that you and I have talked about a little bit cause you do a similar thing, um, kind of with sayings that really impact me, like trust your journey, you know, humankind, just things like that, that are, have been important to me and mean something. And maybe someone will wear them and feel the same way. Um, I am super excited uh, to launch um, my, I have two new projects coming up. One is a journal club. So um, when my mom was here and I was in my twenties, I lived in New York city. She lived in Maine and we would write, we would send a journal, handwritten journal back and forth to each other. I talked to her every day, but we talked about the big things that happened during your day. So our journal was for all the little silly things and we'd put stickers and we'd, and today it's the, one of my most treasured gifts from her. And um, I actually got a tattoo with her handwriting from that book. And in, um, she had a journal in there on 1027, which was the day she died, you know, years before and the day Devin was born. Um, so 
we did that. And then throughout, so I, I've journaled, you know, kind of always, but very different journaling. So when she died, then I kept a journal and wrote to her. And then when Devin was sick, I kept a journal of our process. And then after that, I kept a journal for signs, different. I'm a huge believer in signs. So signs from Devin and my mom. And, um, and now probably the last 18 months, two years, I have a journal next to my bed and I, it's my gratitude journal. And at the end of the day, and it's not every day, but it's definitely a few days a week. I should be better and do it more, but I write down something small that I'm grateful for. All those small things are so much more attainable and impactful than the one huge thing that happened. Those are important too. And those are amazing, but they're fewer and further between, right? So I've been able to talk with you know, people who are going through something, some small things, some people are going through huge things and have just said, this is what I do. And this has been, you know, impactful for me. And they've done the same thing and have come back and told me how much it's meant to them. So, um, so I'm starting that. And then, um, with that, you can order these intention boxes. So you can use your own journal, you can use your own, you know, whatever. Um, and if you wanted to, you could, purchase this intention box that has this beautiful journal and these intention candles that I just designed and a couple of other really cool things. So a way that you can either purchase a gift yourself or to your best friend or your mom or your daughter who's away at college or, or whatever you would like. Um, so that's one thing I'm really excited about. And, um, the other thing, um, that I'm super excited about. My very best friend since the seventh grade and I are soul sisters. We're 12 days apart. She's the blonde version of me. And I know your, your listeners can't see me, but I am, I'm a brunette. Um, and we've both been through more than you could possibly imagine. Most people would go through in several lifetimes, but she and I always find the laughter and the, the humor and the gratitude and the, you know, the positive. And, um, we always say our glass is half full of lemons. So it's, you know, you, it's what you make of it. And so, um, we get together often for lunch and we just, we, we talk nonstop. You would think we would have things to run out of talking about. I've been um, talking since seventh grade, but that's, yeah, that's not the case. That actually makes it even oh, yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, our podcast is basically us at lunch and, um, we have our our favorite cocktail and, um, nothing's off the table. Um, we talk about absolutely everything. It's called she nanigans with Jen and Christine. And, um, eventually we'll have some guests on there that kind of roll the same way we do have been through some pretty horrific things, but at the end of the day, like can laugh and are okay. And, you know, might be self-deprecating. And, um, so I'm just so excited to do this project with her. She's, she's my, my person always. And, um, we're both just to share with people that, you know, you can, you can get through everything and you can find the laughter. So my, my cheeks are hurting from smiling. There is just you. And I, I, when I chatted with you, uh, over the phone, when we were kind of deciding when we were going to meet and stuff, I, I could just feel this, you know, energy, this amazing energy. I, I really feel like they really are hurting right now <laughs> from you. smiling. There's just this joy that I just feel from your energy that I, I, I don't know how else to explain other than the fact that my cheeks <laughs> are hurting. 
Um, you know, it is not like I'm like laughing and just like smiling, but they're hurting. It's like a muscle that I'm using all this like 40 something minutes. And it's because it, it is that it's like you do see and feel that joy, even amidst every hardship that you've been through. And I'm so excited for people to be able to then get to hear that they can read you on your blog and all these uh, to find out more about the podcast whenever you ladies release it will it be on the meant to be and by the way b is b-e-e yes and and then can you share the reason of the b yes so um again i don't believe in coincidence everything kind of rolls into each other right and so I've always said everything's meant to be and happens for a reason. And Devin was my only child to ever get stung by a bee. And he was stung a lot in his mouth, stung by one bee several times, which isn't supposed to be able to happen. Like just many times. My other three never stung once. And so when Devin passed away, his funeral was at the end of October. And in Massachusetts at the end of October, bees aren't really around. Bees were everywhere, everywhere. And on the way to the funeral, um, several of his friends and our family got stung by bees. And then at the party afterwards, and when I say party, it seem, it like doesn't sound... It's a celebration. But it it's really was such a celebration. There were so many kids. There was music. And everyone just... It, it, was, it was his party. And it was incredible. Oh, um, but for the two weeks after his his funeral, everyone that was close to him and us was stung by bees. It was it was insane. And so a few weeks later, I had one of the women who um, who does Reiki for me. She's a very good friend. She's been a huge part of my healing process. And two of my other good friends over, and we were drinking wine, and she was doing Reiki on my feet. And she said, you know, I brought over some of these cards in a box. They're healing cards. She's like, I haven't use them since I used them with you and Devin in August. They've been put away. She has several decks, whatever. And they were in a box. And so I had been talking about like, God, everyone has had these, had these signs from bees and everyone's been stung or seen a bee in a certain, you know, special place. And I haven't. And so she opens this box and she goes to flip the deck into my hand. And when she did that, a piece of fuzz fell onto my pants. And so I looked down, I went to brush it away and she went to brush it away. And all of a sudden we both stopped and looked and she picked it up and it was this perfect dead bee, wings expanded, fluffy, beautiful. The four of us were speechless. We couldn't say a word. I was so glad they were there to witness it to my friends. Like it was, it, she, she hadn't opened this box. And so I was like, okay. And honestly, bees have showed up in the most monumental milestone, amazing moments. And I truly believe that it is Devin. And so it, you know, they kind of just was an organic, natural thing, this meant to be. Um, and, you know, I have a, a bee, my first tattoo, I got this cute little bee on my arm and under it is the 1027 that my mom wrote. And so um, he's just always around and it's just a great reminder. My kids love it. And I think a lot of people who, you know, know his story and him are reminded of him with the bee often. And it's meant to be me, right? Yeah. Website yeah. or meant to be me. And then why not Devin yeah. dot 
uh, or dot org. Dot, um, so that actually is launching org. next week. I am so not tech savvy at all. And I've been building this website that has been daunting, <laughs> but it is yeah. So by the time this is launched, it will. By the time this episode is launched, yeah. the website will be up. Yes, um, and you can go to whynotdevon.org and you can check out the merchandise, the journal, uh, uh, a journal club, as well as the box intention boxes, yep. and your blog, yep. and also if you want uh, <laughs> Christine to speak in any of your uh, events, you're also a speaker. So. All that information you can find and how to, you know, get a hold of you. And I'm just so, so grateful for you to have come on and taken the time to come and share your story, Devin's story and the family story here with us. And I am absolutely sure that you're inspiring so many of the listeners, just like you have inspired so many people in the last few years with your journey. So thank you, Christine. Thank you so much. I'm, I am so grateful. I love being able to talk about Devin and share his story. And, you know, I think that he continues to make such an impact on so many people of all ages. And for me, it's, you know, just the most soul fulfilling thing. And I think, you know, for, for my other boys as well. So thank you for letting me talk about all four of them and um, for sharing some of the exciting things that I'm doing. And um, I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.